morning, everyone. Junior church is not happening today, so kids, please don't forget to get your kids' bulletins um, in the back. And if you fill them out, we'll give you a piece of candy for that. I get told all the time that it's not fair that I give candy to the kids. And for that, Vaughn and others are wanting to be treated like kids so they can have it. Um, I'm not trying to single anybody out, Vaughn, but um, just, it's okay, he wants candy. (laughs) We've been through various cities so far in this journey through Acts. Uh, Last week, we, we visited the city of religiosity, a place where people pretend to be religious, but it's all empty and hollow, and instead we need to move into a real relationship with God. The week before that, we saw simplicity. The Bereans showed us how to live simply in faith, following God, studying the scripture to make sure that we are living, that our lives are pointed right on Christ. We started this um, sermon series by visiting the town of Jealousy. And in this town of jealousy, there's a good side, there's a proper place, a proper time to be jealous, but there's also the other side of the tracks. A place where jealousy takes us to a sinful life. There are some places in the United States that we should visit and some we should steer clear of. And then there are some cities that are just hard to pronounce. So I have a little game and adults, including Vaughn, look what I have. So... You need to be able to raise your hand if you can pronounce these cities properly. Kids, don't just raise your hands hoping to get it right. You need to be able to really know if you can pronounce these cities properly. They're going to be up on the screen. First one that actually says it gets choice of candy bar. Not a bunch of them, but just one. Okay, so first one. Here's the town, the city. If you go ahead to the first slide. And who knows how to say this place in New York? What? Almost. No. That's close. Aquabogue. Yes, come on up, Jim. Aquabogue. That, can you see Aquabogue? I can't. Yeah. So... Uh, no, that's not Greek. That's French. It's French. So is this next town. What is this one? First one? Oh, my goodness. I, what did I tell you to do? Derek, come on up. All right. I'm just going to set these down there so I don't have to hold it. Okay, while he's getting that, let's go to the third one. You don't know it, do you? Nope. No. Nope. No. Nope. Nope. Oh, who said that? Adam, come on up. I was trying to get Tony to be able to say it, but that's not how he spells it, but that's pronounced Bernie. Now, I'll just tell you that a lot of these cities are pronounced differently throughout the regions of our country, but the people who live there know how to say their own towns, okay? Um, No matter what the spelling is. Look at this next one, number four. Yes? 
No. Camarillo. Yes. You can have one. All right, number five. Another French word. What? Des Moines. Yes. Okay, he got it right. I wanted to make sure I didn't hear an S on there. Okay. Number six. I know this one personally. Um, Helena. Yes. Come on up, Helena. A lot of people will pronounce it Helena. But the people there call it Helena. I actually had an argument with my social studies teacher in fifth grade because she pronounced it wrong. She says, this is how we say it in Indiana. I said, well, that's because you don't live there and you don't know any better. And then I had to go see the principal. All right, number seven. A lot of you are going to think you know it. Ah. Okay, Don. Oh. Okay, it is not kissing me. So if you think kissing me, put your hand up, Don. Kissimmee, yes. Come on up, Don. Crockett raised his hand so he doesn't get it. Number eight. You already had a candy. You already had a candy bar. La Jolla, he heard Jim, so he got it. Okay, number nine. Who can do number nine? It's not up there. Why are you raising your hand? What is it? What? Wrong. It's not Louisville. Louisville. Okay. Come on up, Blake. And then, this one is just fun. Anybody know this one? I have one candy bar left. It's a Reese's, so I hope nobody gets it right. You don't know it, Connor, do you? What? No. 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 Yeah. Hatchhog. Vicky gets it. Hey, Brock, hold this for your mom. Don't eat it. Okay. So, those are some hard names to say. We can guess on them. The city that we're really going to visit today is equally, if not worse, to say. It's on the top of your uh, bulletin. Ego Amimetasu. Ego Amimetasu. Can you say that? I have been practicing all week. Ego Amimetasu. Not Lego, my ego. We're going to see what Ego Metasu means to Paul and what this city can mean to us. We're in chapter 18 of Acts, and Paul is going through these various physical towns preaching the message of Jesus. And in each city, he's been met with some success and then opposition. In 18, Paul goes to Corinth, the church where he's going to send two separate letters to them about their faith, um, helping the church. We call those letters 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Before we, need to go, before we go further, I need to say this. Jesus has a message for all of us this morning. He has a message for you. And I really hope you can hear it. I hope you can hear it, not just with your ears, but with your mind and with your heart. I think it's a message we all need to hear, a message we need to remember every day of our lives. And so to make sure we hear this, let's ask him, God, we come before you, Lord, would you teach us, Ego would you teach us what this is according to your will, according to your word? 
Would you reveal this truth to us? Take away the distractions. Take away the preconceived ideas of, of church and religion. Would you just show us your absolute truth? And in Jesus we pray. Amen. The message that we all need to hear, I believe, is a message that can only be heard when we know of Egometasu, Ego Ami Metasu, if we know about it, and then we choose to live there. Some of us today might have heard a message like this. You might have heard of some of it more than others. You might be finding yourself in a situation that you feel down, you feel desperately alone. And if that's true, you are surrounded by everybody else who feels that way at times. In Acts chapter 18, we're going to see how Paul, because of the circumstances in his life, needed to be in the city of Ego Ami Metasu. So let's see, in Acts chapter 18, verse 1, Paul left the city of Ath- left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Who, um, they had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, just as he was. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince Jews and Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed him and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, Your blood is upon your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to preach to the Gentiles. Paul has been all over preaching in this region, all over preaching the gospel. Wherever he goes, people get saved. It's just a fact of when he's preaching the gospel, when people truly preach the gospel, people are saved. But then, persecution always comes afterwards. He finds himself in Corinth doing ministry, and and Corinth is a wicked Place. There are really vile practices and belief systems going on there. Things that I don't want to say because there is no junior church today. And I didn't want to have those things said. It's wealthy. It's a trade city that has lots of people constantly coming and going, bringing with it um, various things. It's characterized by sexual immorality. The main religion there was geared towards Aphrodite who was considered the goddess of love. And with that comes a whole bunch of things that you would know gets, goes with that. And this is where Paul is. And for that reason, we're going to look a little bit. I mean, Paul's not comfortable in this place. Look what he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. I also was with you in weakness and fear and great trembling when he was in Corinth. He was there in weakness. There was fear. There was trembling. He was not happy to be in Corinth. He had to leave Athens because there was people pursuing him and trying to get him. And so he left there, but he goes to Corinth and he preaches again. He goes from the intellectual capital of the world to a city where the streetwalkers and drunks line the streets in the name of their own religions. He's by himself, he's out of money, so he starts doing what he can do on the side, which is making tents. He finds former uh, other Jews, Aquila and Priscilla, who are fellow tent makers, and they, they work together to keep preaching the gospel to sustain them until Timothy and Silas show up with more financial support. 
Now that there's enough support, Paul goes preaching full-time. He devotes all his time to preaching and teaching about Jesus. And he's going to the synagogues, to the people who should know better, but they reject him. They mock him. They blaspheme him. Paul had enough. And so he yelled at them, your blood is on your own hands. I am clean. From now on, you, I will go to the Gentiles. Have you ever been to that point? The trials have been so hard. They've been slapping you around so much that you have had enough. If you've had a mom in the home, you know that point. Because she tells you, I have had enough. And you know you're going to get a beating. Because that's what follows that line. Because you pushed her to that breaking point. That is where Paul is. He has had enough. He has been uh, slapped around. He's been kicked. He's been prodded. He has been blasphemed. He has had his God mocked and blasphemed. And he has had enough. He is sick and tired. You ever heard someone say that? Sick and tired. He is sick and tired of the Jews continually to reject the Messiah. The reason why moms get so sick and tired, the reason why they have had enough, is because their loved ones knew better. That's the truth. You knew better. I told you to do this and you didn't do it. I told you and told you and told you and you did. You knew better and now I've had enough. Paul has gone to the Jews, the people who should have known better. And he's constantly telling them, here, look, this is the Messiah. Here is proof. Here is proof. Here is proof. And I have had enough. You've rejected him long enough. When we are at our breaking point, like Paul is here, when we are at our breaking point, we need to go to Ego Aminetisu. We need to go there. Through the stresses of family. You have family. Thanksgiving's coming up and Christmas. Love these times with our family, but also they're with our family. And there can be breaking points. We can easily come to our breaking point. What about financial struggles? They can lead us to breaking points. Work relationships. Many times when we are at a breaking point, what do we do? We lash out. We react in anger. Some people actually isolate themselves. They retreat into their mind behind the emotional walls that they've made. And whether you lash out or retreat, both are lonely. Both of those responses drive people away from you, which is the exact opposite of what you need. At this point, when Paul is at his breaking point, he chose to stay in Ego Amimetosu. And we need to follow that same example. Now, in verse 7 and 8, then Paul left and went to the home of Titus Justice, a Gentile who worshiped God. Remember, he said, I'm done with you. I'm going to the Gentiles. He actually went to one who worshiped God and lived next door to the synagogue, next door to the church. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul and became believers and were baptized. Now just pause for a moment. The leader of the synagogue, the place where the leader, the place where the Jews had defiantly rejected Paul's teaching, the leader turns to Christ. He gets saved. 
Crispus and his entire family goes on to say many Corinthians were getting saved. It's, it's like when a revival broke out in this wicked place. Paul says, I'm done with this. I am going to hit the message hard. And when dealing with success, not just the breaking point, but when dealing with success, we need to go edit to um, Egoami Metasu. This church here in Corinth is starting to grow fast, and fast when that comes, new obstacles and challenges come. And Paul chose to go to Egoami Metasu. You all know St. Joe is, we're growing. It is painfully obvious at times we are growing. We are maxing out our facilities. Our children's area is not adequate enough. We are doing the best with what we can. We are trying to be great stewards, good stewards of what God has given us. God is blessing St. Joe CFC. And because of that, a couple of months ago, Rod came up and he asked all of the church to start praying about the next steps where God was going to be leading this church and opening up new doors to pray about the future of that. To pray specifically for God to guide the leaders as they're looking at the building expansion ideas. And, and I'm gonna, I don't have details for you yet, but I can tell you God has opened doors. He has opened doors and movement and direction is starting to come. And hopefully soon we'll be able to lay out the plan that God has already done. This church is growing. It is exciting. A growing church is fun. It's exciting. It's also very challenging. More people coming means more resources are needed and being used. More people mean more opportunities to minister with, but it also means more ministering that needs done. More people means more areas where we can reach out to the lost with more people, but it also means more areas that the elders have to oversee. Success brings obstacles, and when dealing with success, we need to do what Paul did here and go to Ego Amimetosu. Some of you are getting a little puzzled look with that. Just hold on. Success can also lead people to be arrogant. Success can be used by Satan to inflate our egos, leading people to think they have made it, that they have reached it. Again, St. Joe, Church of Christ, is growing, and we are at times going to be faced with the choice to be arrogant or humble. I heard an elder in a different church make a very, a different church, make a very arrogant statement. That church was growing also. They had an average attendance of over 260. Conversation came up about sister churches that were in the area that were struggling. And that's when this elder said they should just do what we do. They won't grow unless they follow our example. This elder was like, we've achieved it. We've made it. We are the example. He was patting himself on the back. Scripture tells us how a church grows. In Acts 2.47, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Who grows a church? The Lord. God alone. God adds. God brings salvation. Not us, not preachers, not elders, not programs. God. And when success happens in a church, we need to make sure we follow Paul's example and go to Ego Amimetsu. Let's go on, verse 12. But when Galileo became governor of Achaia, some Jews arose up together against Paul and brought him before the governor for judgment. 
They accuse Paul of persuading people to bring God in, um, to worship God in ways that are contrary to our law. But just as Paul started to make his defense, Galileo turned to Paul's accusers and said, Listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have a reason to accept your case. But since it's merely a question of words and names in your Jewish law, take care of it yourself. I refuse to judge such matters. He threw them out of the courtroom. The crowd then grabbed Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. But Galileo paid no attention. This is a scene I'd love to see on repeat. Love to see these people bring Paul into the courtroom and, and the judge really say, um, this is not a, a matter that I need to discuss. Take care of it yourself. And then this mob that wants to beat up Paul turns on their own leader and beats him up there and Galileo pays him no mind, which means he's sitting there going, idiots. They're dumb. That, that's really what he's doing. Paul does some great ministry in the city and other Jews come in and try to stop them. But the drastic thing different is he isn't stopped here. This isn't an internal, or this isn't a civil case, it's an internal matter, and he desist, um, dismisses it. The synagogue had a new ruler. Why did they have a new ruler? Crispus was saved. And so they rejected him as the Jewish synagogue leader. Um, Sosthenes probably took over after Christmas became a Christian. And after Paul was freed by the judge, this new leader, they beat down right in front of everybody in the courthouse. Now, some translations incorrectly insert the words, the Greeks, beginning at verse 17. The crowd, as the one I said, the crowd then grabs. Some will say the Greeks, but that is an improper translation. They, they do that to make it look like the Jews didn't do that, but the words are not in the original text. The words should read, and they, and it points back to who they are, the ones who brought these accusations, these ones who came with Sosthenes, they all took hold of him. The day in verse 17 points back to the Jews. So you see, Sosthenes failed to have Paul put in prison and the synagogue leader was responsible for this. And when he failed, the Jews were so angry, they took care of a little cowboy justice on their own. And they turned on their own leader. It is very hard. The pressures of leading a group of angry legalists. That, that's really what this is. Angry legalists. And I would say for Sosthenes, this is a bad day of work. I mean, have you ever had a bad day at work where everything seems to go wrong? The pressures of life, the pressures of responsibilities, the pressures, demands on you are overflowing. That people are, maybe not physically, but they are verbally beating you up for you trying to do your job. Verbally beating you up, tearing you down for you trying to do what you're supposed to do. You are having a very bad day. What do we do when dealing with life pressures? Stay. And ego amimesu. Life pressures. And only by going to ego amimesu will we be able to truly handle these pressures in life. Sophonies shows us here. Here in Acts we read the Jews form a gang and they beat him up in public. All because he didn't accomplish the task that they charged him with. To go and take Paul out to get him thrown into prison. Getting rid of the Christians. 
But what happened to Sosthenes? 1 Corinthians 1.1. 1, 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Sosthenes. The former synagogue leader Crispus turned to Christ. The new leader, Sosthenes, he rises up and he takes charge to go against Paul, and they beat him up when he fails. And now, in the first letter written back to this church, from our brother. What does that mean? Sosthenes is a Christian. He had a bad day. But yet Paul made sure to tell everybody, look what has happened to Sosthenes, the one who was once against the Lord is now a believer in him. His eyes were open to the fact that Jesus is real. Now Jesus was with Sosthenes too. He would never be alone again. Scripture tells us that when we are dealing with the pressures of life, that there can be a purpose in them. Acts 17, 27. God's purpose was for the nations to seek him, after to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Though he's not far from anyone. When the pressures of life come, we need to remember to go to Ego Ami Metasu. Now let's hit what Ego Ami Metasu is. Verse 9 and 11. Through one night the Lord spoke to Paul. And this, remember, he's had enough. He's going to preach only to the Jews. And the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silenced. For I am with you and no one will attack you and harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half. Teaching the Word of God. When Paul first got to Corinth, life was tough. He was trembling. He wasn't very happy to be there. It was a hard place to be. And then revival broke out. But Paul was still troubled. And even with the success that Paul was having there, it seems like he he still wanted to get out of Corinth because of all these things. And, and as you read in 1 Corinthians, we saw that he was still trembling. Maybe it was the atmosphere of the city. Maybe it was receiving the death threats from the Jews. Maybe it was he was a little intimidated by all these new believers and the synagogue leader. And then all these things happening, the pressures that comes with the success. But whatever it was, Paul was about to leave Corinth when, Paul came, or when God came to Paul and said, Hang in there. Quit preach, or Keep preaching. Keep being bold. Keep speaking. And that's all Paul needed. It says he'd stayed the next year and a half establishing the church there in Corinth. He later wrote in Philippians 4.13, For I can do everything, or all things, through Christ who gives me strength. While in Corinth, Paul chose to stay in Ego Ami Metasu. He chose to stay in there, but what is Ego Ami Metasu? I didn't make up this word. Okay, I didn't make it up. It is a real place. I know it is hard to pronounce, but this place, Ego Ami Metasu, is a place of beauty. This is a place of peace. It's a place where all of us can choose to go. Ego Ami Metasu is a wondrous place, but you don't just happen to be there. You have to choose to be there. It will never be forced. It will never be mandatory. We each have the freedom to go to Ego Ami Metasu or not. It wasn't always pronounced Ego Ami Metasu. Here's another pronunciation. Enechea Chanai. I practiced that one too. Chimea Chanai. 
You'll find this dwelling place, this city, in these other verses that are in your bulletin. In Genesis, you'll see it a couple places. In Joshua, in Isaiah, Jeremiah, in Haggai. In the New Testament, you'll see it in, in Matthew, in John, and in Acts. This is a city that God has given us for a long time. But what is Ego Amimetesu? This is the place where God met Moses on the mountain. Ego Amimetesu is the place where David faced Goliath. Ego Amimetesu is the place where Joshua faced the enemies. Ego Amimetesu is the place where Mary and Joseph go when faced with the miraculous birth. Ego Amimetesu is where disciples are emboldened in their faith. It's where Paul truly meets Jesus. And Ego Amimetesu is found right here in Acts 18, verse 10. Look at that. Ego Amimetesu. Just look. There is the name. There is the city. Ego. Hear it. Ego Amimetesu. Hit that. And there's what it means. I am with you. Egoami Metasu is the place where God lives in you. It is where God gives you the promise, I am with you. Egoami Metasu, God declares in your struggles, I am with you. Egoami Metasu, God declares despite your hardships, I am with you. Egoami Metasu. God promises that the victories you have are because he is with you. Ego amimetesu. Despite your failing, despite your shortcomings, despite your faults, God is telling his followers, Ego amimetesu, I am with you. And this is a huge deal. Because how many of us are good enough to go into God? Go to him. To go choose to be with his perfect holiness. We cannot come into it. We cannot come into his presence. So God chose to come to us. Seven different times Jesus uses the phrase ego ami. That I am. Ego ami. It means I am. The Jews would not say the phrase ego ami because they consider it part of the name of God, the great I am. And so they wouldn't say that phrase. And yet Jesus said it seven times, a perfect number, a holy number. Jesus is saying, I am. Ego ami. I am God. That's what he said at that point. The Jews knew this. That's why they were enraged when Jesus said, ego ami. But Egoami is only part of that town, that city. Look what Matthew one twenty three. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Egoami, Matasu, with you. Emmanuel means with you. God is specifically with you. Jesus is the I am. The great Ego Ami. Jesus is telling all of us, Ego Ami Metasu, I am. I am God. I am Creator. I am Savior. I am Redeemer, the Messiah, the Holy One, the Perfect One. Ego Ami, God, is with you. It is His personal promise to be with those who bear His name. God is with us. Now look back. Look back to what we just read of Paul. 
and see how his choice to be an ego amimetosu impacted not just him, but this new church. When at the breaking point, Paul was joined with other believers to help share that load. He was not alone. And we know that where two or three are gathered, what? There he is also, right? And so Paul was met with Priscilla and Aquila, and they came together in the name of Christ. Instead of trying to do it alone, Paul chose to be where Christ was already working in Egoami Metasu, and because he chose to be where Jesus was with him, he was able to minister once more. When dealing with the success of ministry, Paul chose to stay in the part where Jesus says, I am with you, to make sure that God got the credit, not Paul. That the success would not deter him from doing what he was supposed to do. And when dealing with the pressures of life, when all these things started happening, Paul went back to Ego Amunetasu. He went back and trusted the truth that Jesus said because he said, Don't worry, don't be afraid, for Ego Amunetasu, I am with you. And with that, Paul went and he preached and taught for another year and a half there. The pressures of this life, of this world, faded away compared to the glorious truth of living in that place. That's what happened with Paul. So what about you? What about all of us here? Is there something in your life that God has called you to do, but you feel like giving up? It is just wearing you down. It is draining you of all of your strength. Is it some responsibility, a a God-given dream, or a ministry effort that you know needs to continue, but I've had enough. I want to stop. Ego aminetasu. In that moment, hear God saying it to you. If you're a wife this morning, God wants you to be the best wife you can be. Now, I know some of you are going to say, Donnie, you try to be married to my husband. And with that, I have two statements. First, ew. No. But second of all, ego amimetasu. God is with you. God knows your marriage. He cares about your marriage more than you do. He knows more than you'll ever know. You may say, well, then why didn't he tell me about this guy ahead of time? There are times that my wife says, you know what, I didn't know this before we got married. And my response is, I know. That's why we got married. If you would have known, you would have said, "Uh uh-uh. Guys, we know this. We don't reveal everything because we know they'll walk away. Guys, husbands, marriage is not easy on your side either. Trying to meet all the demands of your schedule, your work. Your expectations there and the expectations and demands of home, it can be exhausting. Ego amimetasu. Whatever God has called you to, if God has called you to it, ego amimetasu. He'll be with you. He'll be with you when your business is booming and he'll be with you when it goes under. He'll be with you when ministry is easy, and he'll be with you when ministry is so tough you want to run away. Through all of life's endeavors, God promises to be with you when you choose to dwell with him. I want to share uh, 
a story, and we're gonna, then we're going to watch this little video clip. Um, share a story with you of some parents that had incredible, incredible pressures put on them. How many of you have heard of Rick Hoyt? No? A few. Okay, Rick Hoyt was born in 1962 to his parents, Dick and Judy, and as a result of oxygen de- deprivation to Rick's brain at the time of his birth, he was diagnosed with spastic quadriplegic and cerebral palsy. Now, Dick and Judy were advised to institutionalize Rick because there was no chance of him recovering and little hope of him living a normal life. He couldn't walk. He could barely talk or do anything by himself. But his parents chose to love their son. They'd done everything they could to help him have a normal life. And even had someone come up with a way for Rick to communicate by tapping a keyboard with a mouse that was attached to his forehead so he could actually start communicating. Rick has graduated high school. He's gone to college. He can't walk. He can't truly talk. He can't take care of himself. So guess who's been by him the entire time? In 1977, Rick tapped out a message to his father I want to participate in a five-mile benefit race for a friend who has been paralyzed in an accident. A guy who can't even get out of his wheelchair wanted to participate in a five-mile race for somebody else who's just become paralyzed. Just how would this work? He can't do anything, but who's been with him through his life right next to him. The father would push him in a wheelchair through the entire race. And for 30 years, they've been racing together. As you watch this video about them, you're going to get a beautiful example of a father who is promising. Ego Ami Metasu. That video... The the powerful part of it is because it's true. I mean, that really happened. I think one of the reasons why Paul, at his breaking point, under the pressures of success and the struggles of life, Jesus came to him and said, Ego, Ami Metasu. Paul, I'm with you. When things feel bad, when even when it is bad, when it is so hard, never forget. I'm with you. When the trials of life come rushing into our lives, God doesn't just sit back there and say, good luck. Rick couldn't do the race on his own. His father didn't just push him. He carried him. He dragged him. And the whole time the father was saying, I've got you. You can't do it alone. You can't do it on your own. So let me do it for you. Let me do it in you. And you got to see Rick as he crossed that line, raise his hand in victory. And what did the son do for the victory? Nothing. The father did it. And then the father gave the glory. The father gave the credit to his son. Meta, or ego ami meta su. The father was saying, I am with you. And because of that, you can do this. You can do this. How many times 
Have you been faced with the struggle that is so much bigger than you? The knowledge that is within you is just incomplete. You have this unbearable pain, whether it's physical, emotional, or mental. You're facing uncertainties. You can be sure of this. Jesus is standing right here. Some days we need to hear it louder than other days. But every day we need to hear that Jesus whispers this truth to our hearts. I am with you. No matter how difficult life gets, no matter how lonely it gets, no matter how confusing life gets, we need to be able to hear the voice of God. We need to be able to hear the truth of God saying, I am with you. He's not just a holy presence around us. He's not just a comforting ideology that comes to mind. He is a literal figure, a literal presence in our life. He is a literal person inside my brain. He is really here, and he is really saying, I am with you. And Matthew 28 said, never will I leave you nor forsake you, which is a long way of saying, I am here with you. The problem comes when we don't believe the truth or we leave that city. It's not going to force us. He invites us. Will you come and live in the city of Ego Amimetis? With that knowledge, with that truth, Paul stayed. Thousands more came to Christ. Because of that truth, Paul continued, and we're still talking about that 2,000 years later. Imagine if St. Joe stood up and said, Ego Hanimetis is the truth that I live my life on. I can't go across the chasms of this world. I can't reach into the perfectness of God's world. And yet he came down. He carried the burden. He drags me in because I can't do it. And he lifts me across the finish line. And he says, at that point, well done. Good job for living in the city of Ego Agnimatisu. I am with you. I am with you. Are you living there? Are you living there? It's an invitation. Will you do that today? Let's go.